0: Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Ali Aminian, director of Cleveland Clinic's Bariatric and Metabolic Institute. Dr. Menon is here today to talk to us about the impact of bariatric surgery on the risk of obesity-related cancers. So, welcome.
1: Thank you, Dr. Shepard. Thanks for the
0: invitation. Absolutely. So, uh, maybe just give us an idea. What's your general role here at Cleveland Clinic?
1: I'm a bariatric surgeon and director of Bariatric and Metabolic Institute at the Cleveland Clinic main campus.
0: Excellent. So, we're going to talk about the link between bariatric surgery and and obesity-related cancers. So there's a lot of uh, people that might be listening in that we just kind of give a a background. When we talk about obesity-related cancers, what, what kind of cancers are we primarily talking about?
1: So first of all, we should know that after smoking, obesity is the second most common preventable risk factor for cancer. By 2030, only seven years from now, One out of two Americans will have obesity. One out of four will have severe obesity. These are unbelievable predictions. And it's estimated that with the wider spread of obesity worldwide, obesity will be the most common preventable risk factor for the cancer globally and in the United States. The link between obesity and at least 13 different types of cancers have been established. Those will include breast cancer, endometrial cancer, liver cancer, thyroid cancer, esophageal cancer, and many other cancers.
0: So really a lot of very common cancers that uh, really could be prevented. And, and again, just uh, to, to set the stage here, when we talk about obesity related, what, how are we defining obesity?
1: Uh, There are different classifications for obesity, but the simplest way to classify obesity is anybody who has body mass index over 30. And there are different uh, stages of obesity. BMI of between 30 to 35 is defined as stage one obesity or mild obesity, 35 to 40 as moderate obesity or stage two. And above 40 is defined as severe obesity.
0: And so just roughly speaking, what, what percentage of the American population would fit that criteria of obesity of a BMI over 30?
1: So currently, over 100 million people in the United States are fitting in that criteria. But as I briefly explained, by seven years from now, in 2030, one out of two Americans will have obesity. Wow which is extremely high.
0: That's extremely high, particularly when it's linked to so many cases of, uh, of cancer. So tell me a little bit about the study that you participated in and, the, and that link between obesity and cancer, specifically bariatric surgery. Uh, well, we
1: knew that obesity increases the risk of cancer, at least those 13 types of cancer that we just discussed. But we wanted to find out whether that risk was reversible with significant weight loss or not. So that was our research question. It was not about bariatric surgery itself. It was about the weight loss. But we focused on bariatric surgery because that's the most effective way to help patients with obesity lose weight. In terms of the study, details of the study, we enrolled near 5,000 patients with obesity who underwent bariatric surgery at the Cleveland Clinic between 2004 and 2017, and those patients were carefully matched with near 25,000 patients with obesity who did not undergo bariatric surgery. So in total, we had near 30,000 patients who were followed over 17 years.
0: So that's a, that's a really large group. It was really a large
1: group with a good follow-up time.
0: And and when we think of the control group, were those patients who were also trying to lose weight but by methods other than bariatric surgery?
1: Some of them, yes. Some of them tried non-surgical methods to lose weight, and some of them uh, chose just lifestyle modifications. That's correct.
0: And so I guess just uh, just for everyone to sort of understand what we're talking about with bariatric surgery, can you give us a little bit of an overview of of what bariatric surgery is about and types of surgeries and how effective that usually is?
1: Sure. Bariatric surgery or metabolic surgery or weight loss surgery or procedures that help patients to lose large amount of weight. So these procedures are usually done with a minimally invasive approach. with laparoscopy or robot takes about Two hours to do the procedure, Uh, we do procedure through five or six small incisions and go inside the abdomen and do the procedure. So the two most common surgeries currently are either sleeve gastrectomy or gastric bypass. So it takes about, uh, as I said, two hours to do the procedure. In the sleeve, we remove about 80-85% of the stomach and take that part out. So the stomach inside the body looks like a football after surgery, it's going to look like a banana, narrow tubular stomach. For a gastric bypass, we don't remove anything. We reroute the stomach. We cut the stomach on the top part, and then we bring a loop of the small intestine and connect to that top part of the stomach. And when patients take food, foods go through the esophagus to that small pouch that we create on the top part of the stomach, and then it will be diverted into the small intestine. We bypass about 90-95% of the stomach. Patient usually stay in hospital one night after the surgery. Recovery is about two or three weeks. Risk of having complication is about 3% out of 100 patients. Three may develop complications. And it significantly improves quality of life and obesity-related comorbidities. Patient usually lose about one-third of their body weight, if the patient is 300 pounds before surgery, they typically lose around 80, 90, 100 pounds after surgery, and they're able to keep the weight up for a long period of time. So that's a brief explanation of bariatric surgery.
0: And in between those two procedures, are there are they similar in terms of weight loss and, and the ability to, to keep the weight off? So
1: sleep gastrectomy is a bit safer than the gastric bypass. Risk is about 2%, 3% after the sleeve, maybe 3%, 4% after the gastric bypass, 1% or 2% less risk with this sleeve than the bypass. After by, bypass is more powerful tool. Patient usually lose 10, 15, 20, 25 pounds more with the gastric bypass compared with this sleeve. They're able to keep the weight off for a longer period of time with the bypass than this sleeve. It's more durable. It has a stronger effect on diabetes and cardiovascular risk reduction. So overall, the sleep is a bit safer. Gastric bypass is a bit more effective.
0: All right. And so when I look at the, uh, the study that you, that you conducted, um, what were the, uh, the primary results?
1: So obviously, surgical patients, as expected, lost large amount of weight over the time and kept the weight off for a very long period of time. And that led to a 32% low risk of developing cancer and a 48% low risk of dying from cancer in the surgical patients compared with the patient who didn't undergo weight loss surgery. As you see, the magnitude of effect was very large. 32% low risk of developing cancer was extremely large and was surprising to us. And the findings were consistent in the subgroups. Whether patients were male or female, young or old, black or white, the cancer risk reduction after bariatric surgery was consistent and observed on all these subgroups. Another interesting finding was a dose-dependent response. We found that the greater weight loss in the surgical group, the lower the risk of developing cancer.
0: Were there any particular types of cancer that were impacted more than others?
1: That's correct. Before the study from the available literature, we knew that among all cancer types, endometrial cancer has the strongest association with obesity, and our findings confirmed that, or a study found that endometrial cancer had the largest cancer risk reduction after bariatric surgery. Actually, the risk of developing endometrial cancer was 53% lower in the bariatric surgery group compared with the control group. The second cancer on death list after endometrial cancer was, was postmenopausal breast cancer.
0: And so with the, the, the results of such a dramatic decrease in the, the rate of cancer, the mortality related to cancer, is this something that's likely to become more widely utilized? What I guess the question would, would be, why isn't this more widely adopted?
1: That's a good question and hard to answer. Uh, you know that obesity is the root cause of numerous devastating medical conditions, not just about the cancer. It can increase the risk of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, nephropathy, fatty liver disease, and it uh, increases the risk of mortality overall. It shortens the lifespan. The good news here is that health consequences of obesity are reversible. So if we help patients to lose substantial weight and keep the weight up for a long period of time, we can reverse or prevent health consequences of obesity to some extent. We showed that with that cancer study uh, that we just discussed, and we had showed that before with diabetes, cardiovascular disease, nephropathy, fatty liver, and other health consequences of obesity. We just need to help our patients to lose large amount of weight. And to get to that point, we need real treatment for obesity. Uh, Just asking patient to eat less and exercise more probably not gonna work. Uh, They need powerful tools to help them to lose large amount of weight. And you know, for the purpose of the cancer risk reduction, the current guidelines recommend weight loss or findings Support those guidelines. But again, in patients with obesity, instead of focusing on lifestyle modification, only effective and durable treatment, such as bariatric surgery, are required for cancer prevention. I think the misconception here is that many patients and many healthcare providers think that obesity is the patient choice if the patient decide to eat less and exercise more, we don't have obesity problem, but that's not the case. If the solution was that simple, we wouldn't reach to that obesity epidemic in this country that by seven years from now, half of this population will suffer from obesity.
0: And so there's, uh, there seems to be an increased use of some medical therapies for weight loss as well. How, how might that change? sort of the landscape and the use of bariatric surgery?
1: So that's a really good question. And we are in exciting time in terms of obesity management. With having these new medications available, the landscape of obesity treatment going to change in the next few years. And when we have those powerful tools in our toolbox to help patients, uh, hopefully we're going to see very similar results in terms of the cancer risk reduction that we have seen with the bariatric surgery in this study. So obviously, we cannot offer bariatric surgery to 100 million people with obesity who live in the United States. But when we have effective medical treatment for obesity, that can be widely offered to a large number of patients. And hopefully, as we discussed, this study and the other studies have shown that health consequences of obesity can be reversed so hopefully we can reduce the burden of health consequences of obesity on some of these patients
0: are there any significant uh, barriers from insurance coverage or anything like that 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 block the use of bariatric surgery for weight loss
1: yeah there are significant barrier on the insurance side on the payer side some insurance companies cover bariatric surgery and some don't sometimes they cover only one surgery per patient lifetime and it is obesity is a chronic disease like any other medical problems you sometimes we need to go up the ladder and augment the treatment for example, you have a patient with heart disease. You start with lifestyle modification. Then you put the patient on medication. Sometimes patient needs the coronary angiography and stent placement. Sometimes patient needs a cabbage, Sometimes need a redo cabbage. All those tools are available for cardiologists to take care of patients with heart disease. But the treatment for obesity in terms of the coverage is limited, and patients don't have access to uh, bariatric surgery, so the, the coverage is not universal. And that's even worse for the new medications. So, the, med- the new medications that are really effective in helping patients to lose 10, 15, 20% of their body weight, and they came to market the past few years are not covered by most payers at this moment, and that's really sad.
0: It is sad. I mean you've you've very uh, very thoroughly discussed like all of the health consequences of obesity and and not doing things to that could be preventive uh, is unfortunate. Do you think further the trial we discussed here and the, some of these others might help push the the public policy, the the health policy to improve coverage?
1: Yeah, I hope so. And we we have seen the trend over the past two decades. So we are in much better state now compared to 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So hopefully uh, in the next few years, we're going to be in much better state because it's going to help patients and it's going to help the payers too. It's a very cost-effective intervention because instead of prescribing patients three diabetes medication and two blood pressure medications and putting the patient at risk to develop fatty liver disease and nephropathy and cancer you take care of obesity which is the root cause of all of these medical problems and you can substantially decrease the risk of those health consequences and that can be cost saving in the long run if the insurance companies and payers look at that in this way it can be both life-saving and cost-saving. Hopefully, it's going to get better in the next few years.
0: And I guess just uh, from a surgical side, you know, originally you know, primarily procedures were gastric bypass and other uh, sleeve gastrectomy. And as you know, they're they're fast procedures and short length of stay and low side effect or adverse effects from the surgery procedures. Is there anything uh, new coming along from a procedural standpoint that might change? Um, things on a surgical side.
1: Yeah, so there are there are newer procedures that are even less invasive or technically simpler than the gastric bypass uh, to do, and uh, we we should wait to see the long term results of those procedures. So the worldwide gastric bypass, which is a gold standard procedure, has been around for sixty years now. To do the one by gastric bypass, we have to create two connections to anastomosis, but there are at least two different uh, new procedures that we create only one connection between the stomach and the small intestine. So the surgical procedure itself is uh, faster, recovery is comparable, and there seems like going to be less with those new procedures, but we don't have the long-term data of those. So hopefully... In the next few years, we're going to collect those data to show the safety and efficacy of those new procedures in long run. But the field is evolving.
0: Excellent. Well, this is certainly uh, an incredibly important topic, and I appreciate your insight. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks again for taking time to uh, have that discussion about the role of consequences of obesity and importance of weight loss and medical comorbidities associated with obesity, including the cancer risk. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dale.
0: To make a direct online referral to our Toxic Cancer Institute, complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org cancerpatientreferrals. You will receive confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances.